Hey everyone, Lou Mavs here from the Music is Live podcast with a really important question. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get Music is Life off the ground, I had a lot of questions, such as how do I record an episode, how do I get my show into all the apps that people like to listen, and how do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is real simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. This means that you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. Since I started my YouTube channel, I've been able to edit the audio on iMovie and then bump it to Anchor and distribute it on the podcast to everybody. And I still use Anchor to record audio-only podcasts. So if you always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me, Lou Maz of the Music is Live podcast, and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Looking for new threads? Well, we've got you covered at the Music is Live podcast official merch store over at tpublic.com. Whether it's t-shirts, baseball tees, hoodies, coffee mugs, travel mugs, phone cases, or onesies for your infant rockers and metalheads, you can find everything you're looking for over at the Music is Live podcast merch store at tpublic. Go to my link tree at l-i-n-k-a-t-r dot e-e forward slash music is live podcast and get your merch today. Buy my stuff and thanks for your support. TerraNut is proud to offer you a natural nut bar chock full of healthy fats, minerals, and protein that meet your demands. Go to their website, www.terranut.com. You can order from them directly, and they will ship it to you. Use my coupon code, LUMAVS, and you will get a 25% discount on your first order. TerraNut Superfood Snacks, www.terranut.com. Don't forget to use coupon code, LUMAVS, at checkout. Fuel your life. Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, look no further than the Ratsaw Review Network. Ratsaw Review is taking over the podcast world with plenty of shows to choose from within their network of entertaining programming, including the flagship show, Ratsaw Review, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and Lou Mavs, as well as occasional co-hosts Manny Mejias and James Lilquist. We also have the official Ratsaw Review spin-offs, such as Album vs. Album, Screams from the Grave, where we discuss beloved yet forgotten hard rock and metal albums of the past, and a King Diamond podcast called This Broadcast Belongs to Them. We've also got Old Man Metal's Musings, the Metal Thrashing Nerd podcast with Metal Thrashing Mike, the Timo Toki podcast featuring Stradivarius and Avalon founding member Timo Toki, The BS Sessions with Mark and Jerry, Just the Cheese Please, a podcast dedicated to cheesy films of the 1980s with Tara J and Adam, and the Music is Live podcast with Lou Mavs. The Ratsaw Review Network is your go-to one-stop shop for the best podcasts out there today. Go to RatsawReview.com for more info, and to find out where you can find, follow, subscribe, and comment on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and all streaming platforms. The Ratsaw Review Network. We're taking over. You're listening to the Music is Life podcast with your host, Lou Mabs. On the Rat Sound Review Network. Revels now are ended, and these, our actors, as I foretold you, are spirits and are melted into air, into thin air. And like the baseless fabric of this vision, the cloud-capped mountains, the solemn temples, the glorious palaces, the great globe itself, yea, all which it inherits shall dissolve. Those scat-covered snowflakes are caught in the shitstorm! I found a cure for opioid addiction. What I didn't realize is that the opioid addiction is a $50 billion industry enriching the elites. 
There I was, my life's work stolen from me, betrayed by my own sister, shunned from society. All these years I've been planning my revenge against Avon Bard and all the world. I had Ariel infiltrate their boat and using gallons, gallons of whale laxative, lured them to their doom. Beauteous mankind is, oh brave new world that has such people in I'm up and welcome to your final reckoning. We are such stuff as dreams are made of, and our little life is rounded with a sleep. Music is Live Podcast. This is your host, Lou Mavs. Check out everything you need to know about the show over at musiclivepodcast.com. My guest today is probably someone, in my opinion, is the one film director who has made the most impact in my life for the best. I remember as a child watching Toxic Crusaders on Saturday mornings, vividly remembering where I saw something comparable to this in a live action setting. It was then that I recall watching the first five minutes of a film called The Toxic Avenger, right before my older brothers kicked me out of the room before the infamous Skippy head crushing scene. Thank goodness for USA Up All Night. (laughs) Thank God for USA Up All Night, where they had a Thanksgiving daytime Saturday afternoon showcase of all three Toxie films in 1992. It was then that I knew I was a fan of the trauma universe. From there, it was Class of Newcomb High, Tromeo and Juliet, Terra Firmer, Poultry Geist, and Cannibal the Musical that made me a lifer. Troma's newest film, Hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm, I did not forget the hashtag, Lloyd, had its New York City premiere on April 8th, 2022 at the Museum of the Moving Image. And hands down, it was one of the greatest movie experiences of my life. And I'm not saying that to pander. I had a blast that night. Is it this director's last film? Who knows? I know one thing, that after 50 years of filmmaking, Lloyd Kaufman's contributions to cinema are undisputed and can never be taken away by anyone, and we're all better for it. I'm very proud to introduce my guest, one-of-a-kind, custom-made, not-for-sale, with greetings from Tromaville, the president of Troma Films and the creator of The Toxic Avenger, Mr. Lloyd freaking Kaufman. What an introduction. Thank you. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank this has been a real treat for me because since the beginning of 2022, since the beginning of the year, we had John Brennan on the show, the executive oh, producer of Hashtag yeah. Shakespeare Shitstorm. John was a, he and Justin were, and my wife, uh, Pat Swinney Kaufman, the commissioner, as she's called, uh, they were the producers. No question about it. They, they put it all together. In 50 years of filmmaking, geez, it's it's the best production that you guys have ever done. I mean, story-wise, but, you know, location-wise, setting-wise, the special effects-wise. Like, this ran the gamut of, like, everything that was that we love about trauma films brought to the 100th power. I mean, oh, and wow. it looked great in a movie theater. This was my first time ever seeing a trauma film in a movie theater. We make our films for the movie theaters because... Uh... Uh, you know, we have two or three thousand people involved in the production and, you know, we have good crowd scenes and people in the background doing funny things. And if you look at the protest signs in hashtag Shakespeare Shitstone mm-hmm. by the woke pro- protesters, one has a, a sign that says uh, my dog died. Another one says my feet hurt. There's all that little stuff that you don't see on the small screen. And no. also to see a movie like that i just came back from boston where uh the uh it's playing in the uh coolidge corner cinema and the audience loved it and most of the people in the audience had not read the tempest on which hashtag shakespeare shitstorm is is heavily uh, derived but they loved the film and those who had seen the tempest uh, there were some professors there and harvard students and uh, they got more out of it because there are there is some pretty intellectual stuff there and couplets and uh, there's some big uh, callbacks to uh, to good old Shakespeare. Shakespeare helped us out. 
<laughs> I mean, I grew up in the New York City public school systems in Astoria, Queens. So there was plenty of Shakespeare to be read in our English classes. Wait a minute. That's where we are. I, right in the heart of Long Island City you are. I know. Why haven't you ring the bell? Come in. I live on Long Island now. I'm happily married. I have a three and a half year old daughter who's turning four next month. I have a full time job. This this is my passion project. But if you're inviting me to the Troma Studios, I'd love to come down. Absolutely. Anytime you would like to come down, just give me a, a, a email or or Gideon. Uh, he'll set it up. And uh, and there we go. We'll, we'll... Awesome. And I'll make sure I'll bring tons of cash for merch because, you know, I'm going to probably. Oh, no, don't worry about that. Don't you worry well, about that. I believe in supporting, uh, you know, people who yeah. I love. So it's all good. That's Anyways, fine. thank you, Lloyd, for uh, coming on the podcast. I'll start the questions uh, right now. Your new film, Hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm, finally released and available for release to any movie theaters that are ready and willing to show it. Shot well, honestly, I would be happy to show it at movie theaters that are not unwilling to show it. Or theaters that are unwilling to show it. If theaters that are unwilling to show hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm want to show it, I give it to them. The film was shot in Astoria, Long Island City, primarily with additional footage being shot in Brooklyn and Albania, which is historically significant <laughs> since it makes Troma the first American film company to shoot in Albania. Hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm was also filmed prior to the pandemic, which I'm glad to see that you're feeling a lot better from COVID. From pre-production to completion, how was the process for you with this film in comparison to previous films that you've directed? Well, this, I think, was the most ambitious film we've done. The budget was uh, uh, less than five, uh, under 500000 and which is the exact same dollar budget of Toxic Avenger 40 years ago. So it's a very small budget for what we have, you know, trained whales and uh, footage and uh, big storms and dancing and period piece. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a big movie. I think that was probably the most difficult. But uh, uh, mentally, for me, it was the most fun because the cast and crew were so devoted to this project. You know, they just were great. And they... They, everybody involved in this movie loves trauma. And even after we finish shooting, they they love trauma and they get together for uh, trauma watch parties. And and there's a group of them who worked on hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm, who started a company called uh, Shithouse Productions. And they've just finished principal photography on a movie that I'm very proud to be producing called Curse of the Were Deer. From the producers of Wetworks, Ball Olympics, and Bloodstab comes a terrifying and bizarre new horror movie classic. In these woods lives a monster, part man, part deer. Like a deer man? Beware the woods! This is gonna be the best stag party, beer drinking, sex and weekend of our lives! Chronic wasting disease. When it infects males of the species, it's been known to make them abnormally and extremely aggressive. What happens if one of them bites you? Don't piss me off. What happens in my bunch? If you are bitten. Jeez! You too will become a monster. It's over $35 million, and that's a lot of dough. What are you going to do, throw away all those uh, bucks? You're doomed! <laughs> Buckle up, Warden, and hold on for dear life. You're doomed! <laughs> dear life! <laughs> <laughs> Randy, are you? Yeah, <laughs> oh, beautiful penises! <laughs> Dear wife. They shot in uh, in and around Nashville, Tennessee, and it's uh, it's terrific. Uh, it's going to be amazing, and it will uh, eventually after the theaters, it will be on uh, Trauma Now, our streaming service. Which watch also, uh, Trauma Get it four ninety nine a month, first month free.
Oh, thank you. Thank you. Did you know that uh, Troma Now is also available on Roku? Yes, and, that's uh, how I watch it. You can download the Troma Now app totally free. And then the first month, like you said, uh, Lou, is uh, totally free. Check it out, folks. And uh, we're the last serious independent movie studio. So if you want to kind of help us out and support us for very, very little money, peer group support, uh, sign up. First month free and and from then on, it's only $4.99 a month. And we ain't raising our prices like Netflix. Also, Lou, and you know this, Lou, and you've talked about it, you have the option on Troma Now to, to listen to the commentary tracks. So you can listen to the movie and then shut off the mix and hear the commentary tracks by the actors. Uh, some are by me, some are by... Uh, James Gunn, who knows who you're going to get. One of my favorite commentary tracks that you have on that, you had Gary Schneider, Robert Pritchard, and Dan Snow, Bozo, Slug, and Cigarface from the Toxic Avenger. It was so good to hear them. Gary was actually my first interview prior to starting my podcast. And Oh, yeah, because he went a completely different career path where he was a a children's entertainer, happily married with kids. I found him on Facebook and we just started talking and he was nice enough to answer my questions. I posted it on my website. He hit me up recently. He's like, hey, I remember doing this interview with you. Good to see from you again. Congrats on your podcast. Everyone from Tromaville has has just been awesome. It's a great fandom to be a part of. Well, Troma is a a family. We really are. People get married working on Troma movies. James Gunn's best friend in the world he met on Tromeo and Juliet. I mean, it's a very intense experience because everybody working on a Troma movie, uh, you know, they're trying to make some art. You know, they, they, they're really serious about, uh, you know, trying to give something to the world that's a bit different and might take, make a little difference in the world. You know what I mean? Definitely. And all for the better. Speaking of family, you had Patricia Kaufman, your wife of 50 years, Mother to your children, Lizbeth, Lily Hayes, and Charlotte, as a producer on every film of yours from, I want to say, Tromeo and Juliet, as far as I can remember. Is that correct? Whilst she was commissioner, she had to recuse herself. We call her the commish, by the way. Yes, appointed by the Honorable George Pataki and served under Republican and Democrat governors. I mean, thank you. You have done your homework, buddy. Thank you so much. Uh, She was 20 years commissioner. She created the incentive by which uh, movies like uh, Spider-Man, as well as uh, low-budget movies, can get the 33 and a third uh, incentive. You get a third of your budget back in cash. You can smell it, smell it. Uh, We didn't use it because my wife was commissioner. We didn't want to give the bad people any chance to uh, bad mouthers. But hashtag Shakespeare shitstorm has been produced under the New York incentive uh, since my wife has retired and she is one of the producers along with John Brennan and, uh, and, uh, and Justin. Uh, Justin. Yes. I appreciate her uh, espousing good ethics. Well, you know, we, it's not, it's, it's that the, the guys upstairs can do anything they want, but you know, the, the rest of us, uh, we have different set of rules. So, you know, we have to be especially careful, especially when you have all these, uh, third-rate blogsters who would love to tear to tear you down. John and I actually discussed it on the episode that uh, I had him on. He told me about it, and I was just like, are you kidding me? I defended you because I said when I was on set, you made sure that I signed a waiver of protection and that nothing happened to me because I was 17 years old when I interned on Terra Firma, and you made sure Uh-oh. I was safe. You made uh-huh. sure I was safe, Lloyd. So. Uh-huh. Oh, I, 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 and, and I said in my episode, I said, hand on the Bible, hand to God, I'll defend you, Michael and, and uh, uh, Pat to the grave and saying that you made sure that it was safe. Troma's three rules of productions. It's not a joke. Safety to humans, safety to people's property, make a good movie. Safety to humans, number one. So thank you for that. Thank you. And today we had, uh, we filmed a scene for Brandon Bassam's new movie, uh, Bring on the Dead. And uh, we filmed it in the Choma Green Room. Uh, and uh, we had signs from the time the cast and crew entered the Choma building. We had the three rules of production. You know, you couldn't miss it. It was impossible. To, and the crew was very grateful. They really appreciated it. You know, I didn't know them. So they were, uh, you know, they really thanked, they thanked, they thanked us. 
So, uh, you know, I think that's cool. But the cool thing about working with Patricia, <laughs> sorry, the commish, is that most people don't want to work with their spouse. And in your case, the quantity and quality of output from Trom in the last 30 years stands out. What made Mrs. Kaufman take a more active role with Troma because you and you and Michael hers have been doing such a great job on your own. And I feel like she's like that silent partner that has added to the team, not taken away. She's no Yoko. Interesting. <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, that little man you have in the front of the screen, uh, that's not Michael hers, is it? I see a little figure. When, when it comes uh, that to- is my ah! uh, Miko Toxi action figure purchased from Walmart. Not Michael hers, but... That's a Mego toy, Mego, Mego. How do you yeah, say? Yeah, Walmart sells these. Oh, nice. And it's the only thing I'll buy from Walmart ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Now uh, back to the question. When she was commissioner, she she had to pretty much stay away. Right. Uh, but uh, when she was well, when she retired twenty years later, she's been more active, and she was a producer on hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm and and uh, was important in organizing the script and all that. But uh, the uh, incentive has has uh, uh, we took the incentive since she's retired. The so now we right? incentive in a couple of years we'll we'll get a, a piece of our budget back. So Excellent. I'm still alive. I get it. <laughs> Let's keep yeah. you around for a long time. You're a very nice guy. Thank you very much. And well prepared, may I say. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. I, uh, you know, I, I live to uh, make sure that I get the best content from my guests because, you know, this is a labor of love for me, my podcast. I, I'm not monetized yet. Would be cool one day, but and I made a promise to myself. I said, I don't want to interview anyone unless I love what they do. And if I'm not having fun doing it, I don't want to do it. Well, that's a good way to be successful, I think. How was the experience of shooting in the location of Long Island City in comparison to past shoots? I know that in the past, Troma films were shot in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Buffalo, Peekskill, Poughkeepsie, and New Jersey. Well, not only did we shoot in the story, I would say we shot 75% of the movie in Historia, uh, both in a wedding venue, a very beautiful uh, all white wedding venue. <laughs> then we had to we had to make that the interior. Well, I don't want to spoil it, but that's uh, Central we, Lounge, correct? We used the uh, Central. Like, boy, you've definitely done your homework. The Central, and it's all white. So we, uh, when you see the movie, you'll understand how brilliant Doug Sackman's uh, special uh, practical effects were because a shitstorm is in the title. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> Doug, I've watched uh, Punk Rock Holocaust. I know about Doug Sackman. He's awesome. Yes, he is indeed. And uh, he's been with Troma since uh, 2000. We worked on Citizen Toxie. I think he was 16 when he was uh, on it. Had to get permission from his parents. Mm-hmm. And it's great that he's come back in the role of Kabuki Man for Kabuki Man's yeah. Cocktail Corners. Well, he worked for us for several years and left his mark on us. He's become obsessed with Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD. And he and John Brennan, the producer of, of Hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm, along with Pat Kaufman and J- Justin A. Martell, Doug worked on the uh, Kabuki Man cocktail hour. He played Kabuki Man and John Brennan created the series. And there were three seasons, uh, Kabuki Man's cocktail hours. It's a sketch show. Uh, and all sorts of people like Dave Hill, the comedian, was on it. Yeah. Oh, it was great. In fact, if I remember correctly, Doug Sackman, dressed up as Kabuki Man, slapped Will Smith. Uh, and it was on a Kabuki Man cocktail corner. Yeah. Very <laughs> but anyway, all the elements that John Brennan created with uh, Doug Sackman, uh, it's there. All those episodes are on Choma now. And they're very good. There are, three, there are three seasons, but meanwhile, now John, he's writing all the songs for Last Drive-In. He also wrote music for Return to Return to Newcomb High, the second half of uh, my uh, Silence of the Ducks. Yes, that was a great scene. <laughs> that was your, your, your homage to uh, Buffalo Bill of Silence of the Lambs. That was hilarious. See, you make it all worthwhile. Not only are you wearing a, a, a Motorhead T-shirt, uh, which is a very near and dear, no joke, sentimental. Uh, which side is my heart? No, over here. On the uh, left, on the left. <laughs> really no trauma. And it make, you know, you, 
you know, most of the people, they don't really know us. They, 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 and they usually, the ones who don't usually say things like, you have the best titles. Uh, you know, they don't, <laughs> no, thank you. I thought we spent five years making Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> I thought the five years we spent, we might've produced something better than just the best titles. You know, you get it. Thank you. It's really, you know, you, you can buy an Oscar. You can't buy a true love like yours. And thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know what it is? And I'm kind of veering off the questions, but I have no problem admitting this. My brothers, my my two, well, there, there was three of us. My, my two oldest brothers, they're the ones that built my love for horror, comedy, science fiction, and things like that. And Troma being a New York company and being born and raised in Queens, New York, I couldn't help but feel that that kinship. You know, like there's there's certain films that when you when you watch them, it kind of I don't want to call it a safe space because then I would cry a safe space here for that. But I will say that uh, it, 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 it there's like a kinship there. There's that there's that like that that family type thing to it where it's like, you know, you could always go back to it and kind of feel, you know what? This helped shape my personality. This helped shape my love for fun and life and 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 movies and things like that. So, you know, uh, that's what trauma meant to me growing up. And it still does. That's beautiful, man. Well said. Very well said. And uh, uh, what a great honor. You know, I mean, I couldn't be more, I couldn't be happier. Right? What a nice thing to say. And the mainstream people uh, don't get trauma. They don't understand us. And the, and the fans of the mainstream, uh, they, you know, they're not really movie fans. You, you really get it. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. funny. When I went to the premiere at the Museum of the Moving Image, I went with my friend Matt Michelow, one of my podcast partners. That was his first in-person trauma experience as well. I mean, he's seen them films as well. He's, he's a fan like I am. But he said, you know, a trauma is cool because it kind of takes what you would consider the wackadoo personalities kind of throw them all in the same room and everybody gets along, which he's like, and that's the way life should be. And I thought that was beautifully explained. We're all a bunch of wackadoos all united for movies that we love and we all got along. What more could you ask for? The nicest people are the ones you meet at the uh, Horror Hound or uh, Cinema Wasteland. Cinema Wasteland, yeah. San Diego Comic-Con. Both fans and management are great to us. The horror people are the nice, you know, Tony Todd or Bill Mosley. Yeah, these are great people. They're the loveliest, nicest people. Eddie Roshan and... uh, 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 Felicia, they, they, they're great. They have fun. They love the art. They they love art of all types, and they love what they're doing. And and you know they're not there for the uh, the the big uh, Bentley that they don't own, or the uh, you know the Malibu uh, house that they also don't own, or the suits <laughs> that they have to wear but they don't own. And they're more worried about their uh, you know their job than they are about what they're doing. So it's all about ass kissing and all that. So how nice that uh, there's a community of us who who love cinema, genuinely love cinema. And that's all we love, right? And we don't ask the question, who's in it, right? How much are you spending? That's what I get if I call a theater. Who's in it? How much are you spending? <laughs> you know, it's a stereotype to think of the cigar. But these ex- exhibitors, whoever books for these regals and AMCs and they hate cinema. No joke. Unfortunately, there is a huge line that's drawn between the artistry and the commerce side of it. And it is the movie business. And you're right. They don't particularly care for the artistry behind it. They're just like, okay, is it going to make me profit? So I get it. Can I keep my middle level management job where I'm being overpaid? Can I fail upward if a movie flops? For bullshit, right? And then you get notes from them where they clearly pre-sanitize the notes so that there's no danger in anything radical. You know what I mean? And thank the good Lord that the people at Legendary who are making the cabillion dollar remake of the Toxic Avenger have taken a huge risk and and gone the trauma way because they cast Peter Dinklage, a little person, as the Toxic Avenger. That's brilliant. That's this I wouldn't is even the that. only time in history where I think I could actually say I'm genuinely excited for a remake. 
because every remake that's been released since the original has been shit. <laughs> well, I with the exception of Return to Newcomb High, but that's not a remake or a reboot. It's a re- reimagining. Yes, you're right about that. And uh, Return to Newcomb High was a two-part movie, mm-hmm. which Tarantino suggested that I do, and uh, I did it. Uh, and I, I saw that Kill Bill was really brilliant, so I uh, took a shot. I didn't succeed, but what are you going to do? But it's still interesting. Uh, return to Nukemai and return to return to Nukemai. As you have pointed out, if nothing else, the Buffalo Bill dancing, <laughs> the tuck, the tuck, the tuck <laughs> sent on the world. <laughs> I don't even want to know if that hurt or not, but I mean... <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the entire film was great and very well cast. Awesome to see considering the fact that the previous film prior Poltergeist was still shot on 35 millimeter, if I'm correct, with Return yes. to Newcomb High, you went full digital. We sure did. I finally was convinced that digital looks better than 35 millimeter. So 30 went digital. And I, I think digital at this point is better looking than 35 millimeter. Well, yeah, I mean, the quality of 35 millimeter is great, but I have to say that from post poultry guys done, it looks so crystal clear. There's such clarity. There's there's texture in the colors. There's vibrance. It's great. It's trauma for the new millennium, really. As a fan, I couldn't be happier to see that, especially in a, you know in a theater or watching it on Trauma Now. Watch.trauma.com, four ninety nine a month, first month free. And he's not paying me to say that. <laughs> well, remember, you can get the app Trauma Now app for free. At the App Store, and you can see this on Roku and Google. And your iPhone. (laughs) Yeah, you can get it everywhere. Right now, it's really the only thing that is growing because we're more and more uh, pushed. That's what uh, hashtag Shakespeare is all about. Prospero in Shakespeare's play, The Tempest, was an old man being banished from his kingdom. And he had to go to some crappy little island and uh, live in Tromaville. Shakespeare didn't have he didn't have Tromaville, but it was a crappy little island. So that's me uh, being pushed more and more and more down into the reeds of the underground. You know, I can relate to Toxie. I've, I've lost a lot of what power I had. Yet, uh, like Prospero, I make uh, magic, and uh, you know, movies are magic. And uh, Tempest is the druggiest of of uh, Shakespeare's plays, and uh, certainly I qualify in that department. And um, uh, also, he has a monster in The Tempest. He's got a fairy, you know, a uh, a mythological kind of thing going. And You're uh, referring to Caliban and Ariel. Caliban. Uh, Well, Caliban being the monster and Ariel, the sprite. I waited. I wanted to do The Tempest uh, when we were doing uh, uh, Tromeo and Juliet, when James Gunn and I were doing that. But I felt I should wait until I'm Prospero, till I am Prospero. And I think that uh, Prospero's spirit uh, did enter my body during hashtag Shakespeare shitstorm. At the end of principal photography, I, uh, I had vertigo. So I did an homage to uh, uh, Hitchcock's uh, the movie by the same name. But uh, that had nothing to do with Prospero, of course. But I did have vertigo. <laughs> well, you so, mentioned Caliban and Ariel. I definitely want to provide some attention and love for Monique Dupree, who played Caliban, and Amanda Flowers, who played Ariel. Both of them did such an outstanding job in the film. They were great. Certainly Monique, amazing. And and Monique had a, a fight scene. <laughs> she had everything. Her part was everything. Well, she has experience as a professional wrestler, correct? Exactly. But how nice of her to do it. You know, she was great. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal. But speaking of hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm and referring to Prospero the Magician, with your film, it takes the Tempest in the modern day tackling on issues such as Big Pharma and cancel culture, which have been honestly two of the biggest hot button issues since the pandemic and since lockdown began. You've never shied away from hitting hot button issues in your films. This definitely takes no exception. Many filmmakers have a tendency of kind of using straw man arguments to make points in their film. You always go for the jugular, though, when it comes to making points. You always do it with a fair dosage of satire. And without pandering, you allow the public to kind of come up with their own opinions about things, which is something that I appreciate. For you, what was the impetus exactly for tackling those two issues of Big Pharma and cancel culture? And how is it never an issue for you to approach your film's Uh, so fearlessly. Well, uh, when you were talking about the straw man, we use the paper straw. 
You see, the uh, elite have been using the plastic straws, and it's fucked up the ocean. Uh, animals are uh, eating it, uh, fish and whales, and uh, they're eating this, the plastic straws. And fuck you, Hollywood. Fuck you. We are using. The I'm not going to censor that. <laughs> we're using the paper straws, and uh, no, no fish are harmed when I have a uh, <laughs> the white monster drink, <laughs> which I have as my breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you won't get much intelligence out of me. Uh, I'm sorry, Lou. But uh, the, your questions are great. Very, very good. And indeed, uh, the point is, it's art. And that's why I went into the movie making. I was born in, lucky enough to be born in an American middle class family. Uh, they sent me to Yale. Uh, I had the best possible education. I wanted for nothing, you know, as a bourgeois, as a bougie guy. So, um, you know, I don't really have any fear. You know, if I was in Myanmar <laughs> and, I, and I was a Rohingya and being exterminated, I'd be frightened. If I was in China, where apparently Biden wants to make a nice uh, and I was a Muslim in China, I would be upset for sure because I'm about to be exterminated uh, and many other places. <laughs> but I'm lucky enough to be here where, where uh, uh, the guy, the old man who runs Berkshire Hathaway, his name I can never remember, uh, he says, if you're born in America, you win the lottery. And that's true. I got lucky enough to be born in the United States of middle-class parents who gave me a great education and uh, handed everything to me on a paper plate. I could have easily been a hedge fund dude or a, a, a fake senator like... Uh, a limousine liberal like a Senator Douchebag from New York, Schumer, or, um, uh, you know, hypocrite, or, you know, but uh, I decided to make underground movies. And uh, uh, thanks to people like you, uh, I've been able to keep doing it for 50 years. And the commissioner has uh, let me do it and given me good positive reinforcement and also tweaks and <laughs> criticisms like when we were making Citizen Toxie, when we were writing the script, she, Gabe Friedman and I were on the terrace writing the script. And I think Trent Hager and my wife passed by and she says, uh, oh, that draft, that stunk. <laughs> so <laughs> we're very, uh, Commissioner inspired us and uh, she's been a big, she also uh, uh, read the riot act to James Gunn and me and uh, Frank Reynolds in the editing room of Tromeo and Juliet. We thought we had finished a wonderful independent movie and she had been in the neighborhood of the Troma building. So she stopped by and we proudly showed her the, the final cut, the absolute final cut. And she tore us several new assholes <laughs> and uh, we saved the film. It was a great you know, we, she gave us great things to prune, and uh, it was the final little tweaking that Tromeo and Juliet needed. Well, Tromeo and Juliet, it was spring of 1997 when I first heard about it. On Fridays in the New York Post, they would always say what the new movies were, and they would always have reviews of the new movies. It was that time where it said... Tromeo and Juliet out now and it was uh it was playing in Manhattan it was only playing in one theater I didn't get to see it until the following year when I was able to find it on VHS and I rented it and I, I think I owed the rental place like 50 bucks in late fees because I didn't want to let go because at the time you couldn't purchase Troma VHS and it was right when I was interning at Troma that's when you announced the home DVD line so it's like, oh, you mean now you can actually purchase these movies and buy them and, and watch them? You needed a DVD player, but, you know, at the time they were coming with your television set. So it was great. My trauma DVD collection stacked up. Now it's like it's all Blu-rays that I got. There's a lot of uh, trauma films that I wish were available for purchase, such as the Japanese cut of the Toxic Avenger. As weird as it was, I even like Student Confidential, you know, like there are a lot of films in the okay. trauma library that I, lo I, I love. Yeah, the independence is the key. The films that are on Troma now, they come from the heart. These are independent filmmakers. We wouldn't show the movies. They come from the heart and brain and soul of the filmmaker. They're all interesting. And, and some of them are really, really good. They just have been passed over by the majors. Cannibal the Musical was passed over by the majors. Next thing they did was South Park, right? I mean, the majors could have had Cannibal the Musical, which is funnier 
than Book of Mormon. Definitely uh, funnier. And, uh, you know, the mainstream is usually asleep at the at the switch. So Choma Now has great stuff. And if you or your fans have some movies that you feel are underutilized, uh, Choma Now is the place. If I were to say one documentary that I think deserves some love and attention, I would say Story of a Junkie is a criminally oh. underrated film. Brilliant. Um, That's a great movie. A masterpiece. Yeah. We're making the uh, Blu-ray right now. Excellent. And Cannibal the Musical, I mean, my wife is, she's a musical lover. So oh. when, when we watched it, I mean, I love musicals too. So when we, we, we watched it the first time together, now it's like a, an annual Halloween thing. We have to watch Cannibal the Musical. And uh, she even took me as a Christmas gift to see Toxic Avenger the Musical on Broadway. <laughs> with the late, great Nick Cordero in the role oh, of Melvin Toxie. I mean, such a talent. Yeah. Amazing. What a nice guy. He knew every trauma movie, you know, and he had, he, he really studied the, the trauma oeuvre uh, in addition to the Toxie movies. You know, he was, he was too, he did. Oh, you could tell. So you, there was genuine love for the character, the way he portrayed it. Wonderful guy, just a Canadian, you know, sad, unbelievable. Definitely. I still don't believe it. You know, I, just unbelievable. I mean, it's horrible, unfair. Well, thank you, God. <laughs> no, I don't blame him. I I, 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 I don't hate the message. I hate the messengers, but I got nothing against what the message is. So, um, you know. That's what Pascal, Le Paris of Pascal says, uh, why don't you bet that the God exists? Because if he does, you go, you get a good reward. If he doesn't, so what? <laughs> you know? Well, there are good people in the world. I think most people are great. Most people are decent. C.S. Lewis talks about it. We are united in humanity because we have an instinct for what is right. We have an instinct for what's good. Yeah. And that was how C.S. Lewis proved that God exists. And maybe that is a good proof that God exists. But I just... I can't take all the other bullshit. Off the record. Nothing uh, is off the record. Nothing is off the record. Um, I, I've become more metaphysical in my life, which is why I have nothing against uh, the guy upstairs because my mom, unfortunately, suffered from COVID pneumonia for two and a half weeks and I lost her February 2nd. The crazy thing is if she had lived one more day she would have passed the same day as my dad did 13 years prior. But no oh. but the way I look at it, I guess it's like I could be angry. And I guess for all intents and purposes, I should be because my mother's not here. But I'm more grateful that I had her for the time that I did because I feel like I wouldn't have gotten where I am now and I wouldn't be who I am now if it wasn't for her. So I try to chalk up everything as a learning experience and just try to be good to everybody. That's how I live my life. Oh, so that's, that's why I hope I'm asking you good questions because I feel like you've brought joy to my life. And it's sort of like the time that we spend together, I want to make it worth your while as a thank you. Well, Lou, thank you. It's a great honor. No question about it. If you want to see uh, how uh, my brother and I grew up with our mother, Charles Kaufman, my brother, made a movie called Mother's Day. Love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you get a sense of our mother. It's Eli Roth's favorite horror film, Mother's Day. And you can see it safely and securely on Choma Now, free the first month. I think Mother's Day is, is a masterpiece, really. I think it might be Choma's best movie. It's crazy that it was filmed at the same time in the same location across from Friday the 13th. That's that nuts. Correct. That's right. You're right. Yep. It was you a know? magical place. It was a magical place. It's like the secret garden. <laughs> Delaware Water Gap. I would like to personally see Queenie and Jason in a death match, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> Jason wouldn't have a chance. Probably not. Ladies and gentlemen, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. At the Hadouken Plex, we have every mother's nightmare, Queenie, versus every mother's dream killer. He's crazy. He's silent. He's stupid. It's Jason Voorhees. Queenie versus Jason. Tonight at the Hadouken Plex. Be there. So in the 1980s, there were countless independent filmmakers. There was you, even though their quality was not that good. I do have to mention Menahem Golan and Yoram Globus. Uh, they're, Ooh, they, 
Oh, they were major, 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 major. Talk about a supernova. They're boys from Tiberias, as my father called them. They had their moment. They did. Unfortunately, Bolero blew it for them, but uh, neither here nor there. But Canon, they purchased in 1979, long after you worked on John G. Abbotson's Joe. There was also Roger Corman with New World Pictures. There was Roberta Finlay, who made films like Tenement. Chuck Vincent, who started in the adult film world, but made his way as a studio for countless made-for-cable television films and softcore comedies. There was William Lustig, who made Maniac and Vigilante in the Maniac Cop series. And a slew of Italian films from directors like Lucio Fulci, Dario Argento, and even Joe D'Amato and Umberto Lenzi. Of course, we're not also just counting filmmakers such as Pericles Loons, who made the first trauma shot on video film, Redneck Zombies. When you think of the countless filmmakers and companies who've come and gone, with some still here, and with trauma having longevity for 50 years, what would you say the mistakes that a lot of these filmmakers made that trauma avoided? <laughs> First of all, Troma has made every fucking mistake possible. Well, not everyone, because they, we keep making new, new disastrous mistakes. For example, hashtag Shakespeare shitstorm is not going to make a, a penny unless has, uh, unless God exists. If, if, Trumper, <laughs> if hashtag Shakespeare shitstorm breaks even, I will become a devout Catholic. I understand that today's day and age is a far cry from what it was in the 80s, where it's like you could go to Bleecker Street cinemas and see Toxic Avenger. On Steinway Street, there's a Dwayne Reed on the corner of Steinway and 30th. That used to be a United Artists Theater. Toxic Avenger premiered there April 11th, 1986, and was there for two weeks because my brother saw it at that theater. And hey. you know that was a great time to be a movie fan because you could see different films in the theater and you could also rent different films in the stores. It's funny, I had Tom Seymour, the director of VHS Massacre on the podcast, and I told him, I said, Troma Now is the mom and pop streaming service for movie fans is really what it is. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, you're right. And it's the place of auteur cinema. There's no sausage making there, right? The, the mainstream is uh, most of the movies are, uh, you know, produced by committees and and uh, the gatekeepers are committees, and you're not going to get Story of a Junkie. You're not going to get Terra Firma. You're not going to get Doggy Tales with James Gunn and uh, Jenna Fisher. You know, I can go on forever. Choma Now is, is a really great uh, service. And every month, brand new James Gunn's of the future, or Trey Parker, or Oliver Stone, or all these people came out of Choma. And there are new, young, talented filmmakers who are better uh, coming out of trauma right at this very minute. You got and Kansas Bowling with BC Butcher. You got Divide and Conquer. You got Mutant Blast. You got a shit ton of great films coming out. Yes, Mercedes the Muse. I produced her movie. And also she has some wonderful movies playing on trauma now. Uh, Divide and Conquer will be in some theaters and then trauma now. But her other films, uh, Honor Killing and Evil Twins, T-W-I-N-Z, are on trauma now. I think she'll be up there. She's got no fear. You know, like, what's her name, who did Near Dark? Oh, Near Dark, that was Catherine Bigelow. Yeah, oh. Catherine Bigelow. She's terrific. That Near oh my Dark. God. That, I thought, was one of the best vampire films ever yeah. because it was such an original take. Yes, and, and that's a, a kind of a sense of humor to it with the uh, <laughs> with the 12-year-old kid trying to seduce the 10-year-old kid at the soda machine. Or Again, I saw this movie a long time ago. but <laughs> Yeah, I know who you're referring to. But I also want to give love to Dylan Mars Greenberg and check out their film, Reagitator. Great film. Well, the Reagitator is great. Also, Bathtub, which she, uh, which she did. And by the way, Dylan Mars Greenberg, she uh, wrote the theme song for Hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm, Whilst she was in Albania, Troma is the first movie company to film a narrative film in the country of Albania. And Dylan, who's in the movie, while she was there in Albania, she wrote the theme song for Hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm. And she's got a band called Theophobia. Wonderful songs. She's going places. Without oh, yeah. a doubt. I love Dylan's new single, I'm the Anomaly. I mean, Dylan is uh, such a multi-talented person. And yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I'm happy to promote whatever Dylan's doing. You can't deny the artistry there, especially when it's good, you know, and. Well, that's um, the thing about trauma. Trauma is, it's kind of a, a, a trauma school of art, like the Hudson School of Art. You know, we've got all these people like Dylan, Mars Greenberg, uh, uh, Brandon Bassam, uh, Mercedes the Muse. Uh, uh, you know, we've got all these wonderful young people who are, uh, and they all know each other and they all help each other. And they, there really is a trauma school of filmmaking. It's uh, very cool. Definitely. Yeah, I'm wearing a cardboard belt, but, you know, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> Lucky, you know, See, now, I wasn't going to bring up any Mel Brooks references, but you just did from the producer. And you got it. And you got it. Thank you. See this? This once held a pearl as big as your eye. Look at me now. Look at me now! I'm wearing a cardboard belt. I Because I, I told John, I said, my two favorite New York film directors will always be Lloyd Kaufman and Mel Brooks. And he said, is it because Lloyd looks like Mel? I'm like, no, that has nothing to do with it. I wasn't even mentioning that. It's just, I think New York films. I think Lloyd Kaufman, I think Mel Brooks. And, you know, hey, it's my no, heritage. It's New York. No question. Mel Brooks is a major influence on Michael Hers and me. And the producers is probably our uh, trauma anthem. And uh, uh, and it just happens. Uh, people mistake me in airports. They think I'm Mel Brooks. <laughs> what, what's your problem? You're Mel Brooks. I get that a lot. We're not all perfect. He's like 100 years old, and uh, I'm old, but I'm not that old. But uh, And they, uh, the hard part is figuring out, it, are they coming up to me because they think I'm Mel Brooks or Lloyd Kaufman? And, uh, you know, and they say things like, you know, my father and I, we love your movies. We love your movies. Uh, we watch them together. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, is this Troma or Mel Brooks? And eventually it turns out it's Mel Brooks they're talking about. But by then I agree to take a photograph. And when they get home, they'll see uh, a handsome, young looking Mel Brooks. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. But that on their Instagram and the people who know Mel Brooks will, of course, be telling them. Uh, who Probably. is that? Man, that ain't no <laughs> <Man>. movie. <laughs> Are you still active with the Independent Film and Television Alliance? Uh, good question. I am no longer active with the Independent Film and Television Alliance, but the CEO uh, I'm still in touch with. It's a great trade association mm -hmm. for the independents. Unfortunately, trauma had drifted uh, further and further down the independent <laughs> siphon so that... Uh, we really weren't part of that world anymore, but they have great management. I support them a million percent. Great people, uh, friends with a lot of them. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, Choma couldn't afford to keep paying the uh, dues. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I understand, but I thought the work that you did with them was great and vital. And, you know, especially with your promotion of net neutrality and was speaking about the consolidation of media conglomerates, pretty much buying theater chains and television networks. And this was actually going to tie into Manahan Golan. And I could appreciate movies like Death Wish 2 and Death Wish 3 and, and even Masters of the Universe because they were so over the top campy that you can't help but enjoy them. But my problem with Menahem Golan, and I hate to speak ill of the dead, is the fact that by Cannon's purchasing of British theater chains in the 1980s, I almost kind of feel like that siphoned its way into what happened in the 90s, especially with what Bill Clinton did with rights for independent film holders, uh, holders to be able to show their, their films on television. By doing that, it kind of gave the majors the idea, hey, Menahem's doing it, so can we. Let's buy out all the theater chains. And I kind of feel like as much as the majors do that to this day, it kind of started in the 80s. And if I'm wrong, please tell me. Well, that's an interesting observation. The problem during Troma's 50 years, the rules that used to protect the public against monopoly, monopoly is very bad for obvious reasons, but those rules uh, have been uh, dis, uh, they've been destroyed. Reagan got got uh, destroyed and, and got rid of the consent decree of 1948, which prohibited the major studios from owning movie theaters. So then they could swoop in and Sony bought uh, Lowe's and uh, 
uh, somebody else bought whatever, and blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, you got yourself a cartel, and uh, that ain't good. And, um, and then, of course, there's a big push now. Uh, uh, Clinton, thanks to Clinton, the copyright law was extended to 100 years or something. Mickey Mouse should be in the public domain. If you want to make a Mickey Mouse movie, you should be allowed. Public domain was uh, invented in, uh, during our uh, Jeffersonian years to protect the authors of uh, content, the authors of art. But 14 years that the person who created Toxic Avenger could get benefits for 14 years uh, uh, through copyright law and then goes to the public because the public supported Toxic Avenger for 14 years. But unfortunately, uh, Clinton and uh, Walt Disney, a fascist, they got together, <laughs> who was dead, but they got together and they decided that, hey, uh, let's, uh, let's keep copyright law forever. So Mickey Mouse will never have to be in the public domain. Disney, obviously, uh, I don't know if they bribed uh, uh, Clinton or he was just, as Michael Moore said, he was the best Republican president, but he locked in this copyright law whereby Disney is allowed to keep going with all their, uh, you know, Cinderella and uh, uh, Sleeping Beauty and Mickey Mouse. And that should be in the public domain. We supported these fuckers for 100 years. It should have been 14 years. I created the Toxic Avenger. I'll give that up to the public. The public supported me for 14 years. That's enough. But according to Clinton and Disney, it should be forever. Even though Disney has made billions and billions of dollars from public domain, from public domain, right? From Hans Christian Andersen and Tales from Hoffman. It's absurd. They should yeah, get it, it back. And they can still make billions of dollars. Disney can still make their own Mickey Mouse. They can still make their own Disney princess which my grandchildren are totally obsessed with. Disney can still do the Mickey Mouses, but maybe uh, maybe you, Lou, maybe you want to do Mickey Rat or something or uh, Donald <laughs> Trump or something. <laughs> Mickey Rat. It's not, if anything, it'll help Disney. I don't mind if, uh, if people do uh, Toxic Avenger, if it's legal. And in fact, in fact, uh, uh, Spielberg did Toxic Revengers uh, when he on was... Tiny Tunes, you're right. Yeah, how about that, right? Trademark infringement. How low can you get? How about that for the uh, golden rule, right? He, he was you, the golden rules. You know right? what that did for me, though, as a fan growing up watching that? It kept Toxic Avenger in here and Toxic Crusaders in here. So even though you could tell it was a blatant ripoff, I'm grateful to it because it kept it alive for me, which is why... I buy trauma figures. <laughs> Thank you. But uh, I'm going to ask you one last question, and then I want to conclude with a statement. One of my favorite quotes that you made is that trauma is the herpes of the industry, because no matter how hard they try to make you go away, trauma will never go away. And now you can directly reach your fans through trauma now and your social media channels. And of course, as I witnessed on Friday, April 8th at the Museum of the Moving Image, the fans are still there and they still care. Do you have a message for any detractors of trauma films? Detractors? Are there detractors of trauma films? I can't believe it. I suggest if you're a detractor of a trauma film, go back, go back and look at Terra Firmer <laughs> and look at the making of Poultry Guys, Night of the Chicken Dead, the poultry in motion, truth is stranger than chicken. Uh, go to Troma now and explore some of the full-length documentaries about how we make the movies. Go and explore, and I guarantee you, you will not be a detractor. Go and listen to what James Gunn has to say, what uh, Stan Lee has to say, what the uh, American Film Institute, the Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts, the, uh, the, the, the Japanese uh, uh, Film Institute, uh, Shanghai Film Festival. Uh, we have we the Cinémathèque Francaise. You can't come up with a more, you know, trauma's been praised everywhere. So if there are detractors, uh, uh, I would say if you're a detractor of trauma entertainment. Fuck 
you, Malaka! Listen, Lloyd, I, I know you got to run, but there's there's just something I, I want to tell you first. But before I do that, Troma.com is the website. If you want to watch Troma films, and especially films that have been licensed from companies such as Shapiro Glickenhaus Entertainment, you can find them on the Troma Now app. Frank and Oker, Frank and Oker, right? And by the way, Bill Lustig, uh, Maniac 2. Uh, no, Maniac, Maniac Cop. Cop. Yes. Troma. Yeah, they're on the Troma Now. Again, I, I love the Troma Now app because, as I said before, it's the mom and pop streaming service for Good. movie fans. And uh, Lloyd, before I let you go, there's just uh, something I wanted to say. So uh, as I mentioned, you know, as, as a kid growing up in Astoria, Queens, for me, trauma films meant home. Films where it's like I could appreciate people's zaniness because they get my zaniness. Walking through the doors of the original Hell's Kitchen location, cutting my teeth in the production area, which was the Taekwondo studio across the street, and learning about everything that goes prior to a film. And unfortunately, I had to leave right before production started in Brooklyn, because at the time I was a kid that just graduated high school that was working to pay for books for college. So I missed out on that opportunity to work on the film. But for the experience that I got working in a trauma film, making press kits, learning how to speak to people on the phone, learning how to arrange things to make sure that they were ready in time for rollout, all this preparation. It was the best film school that you didn't have to pay for. But the crazy thing is like, it ended up helping me in life, especially with what I do with my podcast and what I do with music. And even if I help out a friend of mine on a set here and there, trauma was the greatest experience of my life because it's, a work ethic that I still carry to this day. And I wanted to personally thank you for being as zany as you are, as wonderful as you are. Thank you. Wow. How nice is that? Thank you, Lou. I mean, really, uh, I'm uh, almost weeping. Uh, and how nice is that? As I said before, you can, you can, you basically can buy a, a, an Oscar and the, the, the uh, God of, of, of Sundance and the Oscars, Harvey Weinstein, he did buy many, many an Oscar, right? But Fuck you can't him. buy that, right? You love trauma that you can't buy that. How nice is that? Word and of I, mouth. You can't buy word of mouth, Rupert Murdoch. You can't buy word of mouth. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, how beautiful. Thank you. It's really touching. And uh, I'm not joking. For once in my life, I'm, I'm almost serious. It's all good, Lloyd. And, you know, again, I will continue to sing. the. I didn't think so, but I will continue to sing the praises oh, of. Awfully nice. Thank you. No joke. I'm touched. I'm touched without a doubt. And you are. That's awfully nice of you. And thank you for your trauma love. No joke. We we really appreciate it. We, we are fans of the secret sauce of trauma's 50 years. We wouldn't be here without our fans. No well, question about it. You got a lifer here, Lloyd. I know you got to run to another interview. So I just want to say thank you again. God bless. And, you know, may you, you and your family be well. And here's thank to 50 more years of trauma and a whole lifetime. Cheers. Well, thank you, Lou. And uh, really appreciate it. And uh, I, I wish, I hope I get to, you know, come and visit Tromaville in a store, beautiful Astoria. Come and Would see love our- to come back. Would love to, definitely. See where the magic happens. That's right. Come back. Come back. Come back. You got it. Come back. Come back. That's from Stairway to Heaven. Peter, Peter, come back. Stairway to Heaven. A beautiful film. All righty. Good night. Thank you so much. Take Thanks. care, Lloyd. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Find out more about the Music is Live podcast over at musicislivepodcast.com. Don't forget our link tree, Music is Live podcast, and check out our parent network, Ratsai Review. Thanks for watching. Thank you to my guest, Lloyd Kaufman of Trauma Films. And remember, all art is valid. Toxie loves you. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Music Aside podcast brought to you by Anchor.fm and Ratsaw Review. Check out the other shows on Ratsaw Review, including Beyond Bushido, Old Man Metal's Musings, The Right Opinion, The Vieira Vault, 
the Timo Toki Podcast, the BS Sessions with Mark and Jerry, Just the Cheese Please, and the Friday Night Party with the great Harry Barnett and Evie. Graphics by Rocky Baia. For commissions, find them on Twitter at R-O-C-K-Y-B-A-I-A. Intro and outro music for the show is Lose Control by the Rebel Media, written by Jacqueline Guitard, Ernest Leyuk, and Lou Mavs. If you'd like to donate to the channel, please donate to our PayPal at musicislifepodcast at gmail.com. If you're in a band and you want us to review your music, then contact us at Maps at musicislifepodcast.com. Special thanks to Wayne Noon and Greg Noggle. With much love and gratitude to Aaron, Anna, and Aloysius. For more information, check out www.musicislifepodcast.com. And don't forget to check out www.ratsireview.com. Remember, all art is valid. Thanks for listening. Cheers. America, limp dick. God bless us, everyone. You asshole.